welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we take Priest back to Black Panther, catch up on the Marvel media, find out what's happening with Mr. Miracle, and dive back into Rumble. Stay tuned for all this and more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast, the weekly podcast where we talk about the latest in comic releases, news, all that good stuff. I'm David Luzader. That is Nick Shermooksness. You are the listening audience. And here we are, convened as the prophecy foretold so long ago. Or last week when we said we'd be back this week. As the prophecy foretold. The self-fulfilling prophecy. Story of my life. <laughs> David, next week you're going to murder someone. Whoa. Uh, yikes. Sorry, slightly maimed. Slightly oh, maimed. that I can I went, I went too far. I have a <laughs> habit of, like, I, I go too far, and I'm dialing it back, and I, you'll slightly maim someone. I can deal week. with a slight maiming. Uh, <laughs> Nick, I have a very important question. Oh, that's, God. It's comic tangentially related have you seen the zootopia pro-life comic no i mean i've seen zootopia yeah great movie and all that but you're saying that there is this a an official zootopia pro-life comic oh oh no not at all (laughs) uh where has this thing been uh it's this thing that kind of appeared out of nowhere as most things tend to do yeah, uh, I will. I will shoot you the link right now. Obviously, I'm not gonna sit here while you read it in the show, though. Part of me wants to, uh, <laughs> but it's this incredibly well drawn comic. Like it's very high quality, um, but it. If, is, if it's a comic, then this is comic related, so I think it's fair game to discuss it. It is something. I will survive by Borba. Yeah, so the story is that... Yeah, you tell the story while I uh, uh, catch up a little bit. That Officer Judy Hopps, the cute little bunny from the film, has apparently been living in a relationship with Nick the Fox, uh, and she gets pregnant as a result of their coupling, which they didn't think possible because he's a fox, she's a bunny. Uh, She becomes terrified of the prospect of their weird murder child, seriously i'm she doesn't use the word murder child but that's her pretty much her vision and also because of her career she decides that she wants to have an abortion and uh nick the fox freaks out real bad and it really like it paints her as the bad guy through this whole thing uh it is something guys you got to look it up it is called i will survive by borba I am like kind of scrolling through it. I know we don't really have time for me to 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 read this, but like I I have to say, despite maybe my, um, you know whatever opinions I might have on the subject material, this is a really well drawn comic. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's re- like it's really well detailed and like 
pretty accurate to the animation style of Zootopia. And the characters are expressive. Like, there's actually some pretty good background work. Like, it's it's really weird. This, This is so high quality. And I think that everybody should read it for the record. Uh, just to just to see this thing, it's just just unique. to I think appreciate the uh, storytelling chops, like the over. Uh, oh my gosh! Uh, what, what, I'm just I'm sorry. I'm blown away. Like most, like I'm not saying like there's definitely some great fan comics out there, uh, but I'm just I, I don't know what to say. Like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, See, wow, okay. now, now that I've entirely flustered you, why don't we go ahead and move now into the news. Our top story today. <laughs> After a disappointing summer, Humpty Dumpty has a great fall. Well, there is a lot of news coming out this week. Lots of cool stuff to start it off. Christopher Priest will be returning to Black Panther for one night only in the 2018 annual. That's yes. right. So he does not have a DC exclusive contract, it seems. Uh, but in fe- on February 21st, fans of Christopher Priest's Black Panther run will get to read some more of it with a uh, 12-page story appearing in the Black Panther annual. And there is an interview on Newsarama if people want to check that out. Uh, apparently it had started as he was going to do like an eight page story and it kind of evolved and doing more and more pages. Uh, so that's, that's pretty cool. Have you read any of Christopher priests, black Panther run? I have, it's been quite a while. I have the first volume, uh, and I might need to just go back and read. I'm sure it's on my shelf somewhere, but it's also, I think all on Marvel unlimited now. Um, long story short, I read most of the first volume for whatever reason, like I never continue with it, but what I read was very good. Um, what I find interesting about the story is that he's not actually even coming back to write Black Panther. Right. He's coming back to write Everett K. Ross, who's yes. now being played by Martin Freeman in the movies. Um, and was also, uh, he was also pretty big in, um, Priest's original run, which was like 15 years ago. Uh, 20 years ago, actually, this will be the anniversary. Oh. Um, it, uh, Priest actually considers Everett K. Ross to be the actual star, star yeah. of his 1998 to 2003 run. Um, uh, I actually thought what he said was pretty interesting. Um, my Black Panther run really wasn't about Black Panther. It was about Ross. It was about, and this is from the Newsarama interview, just to be clear. It was about exploding myths about black superheroes, black characters, and black people targeted specifically at a white male dominated retailer base. I wanted Ross to be the voice of the skeptical fan who for years kind of took this character for granted. The guy in the black suit standing in the back of the Avengers class photo. Hopefully they did. There's an Avengers class photo. It's pretty funny. Uh, I was nervous about writing the character in the first place, unless I could have reimagined him as more capable and more dangerous. A guy, who more than earns his seat at the table i needed ross to help guide the reader along that transition i mean it's it's a very fascinating stance and how he kind of approached the meta narrative of it all but the more i think about it i mean i came into comics you know in like or like 2000 or 2001 something like that as far as like being a like a a big reader um so really the only black panther i've known even like uh, tangentially is like Priest version on up, like Priest and then Reginald Hudlins, and then just how he's evolved in that time. I also remember, you know, a version of Black Panther in Jeff Johns' Avengers run that I thought really stuck out to me. But I really don't know how Panther was portrayed on a regular basis pre-2000, and now I'm kind of curious about going back and seeing, like, really how, like, 
you know, because he kind of, I feel like he evolved, especially over the course of original Hudlin's Zone. Like, he was, like, the Batman of the Marvel Universe in the sense that, like, he, it was like if Black Panther had enough prep time, like, he was going to solve any problem. Like, he could yeah. overcome any threat. He could put Silver Surfer in, like, a chokehold or arm hold or whatever. Um, I mean. Which, you know, it's cool. Um, is it really that hard? It's a dude just covered in silver paint. Silver there's like, there's, paint and the power There's like a hundred of those down on like the boardwalk. NBD. <laughs> yeah, silver, silver. What, whatever. That guy totally can't obliterate you in the blink of an eye. Yeah, but anyway, if you are a fan of uh, Christopher Priest, who we did speak about him uh, last week, because uh, he just yes. took over the Justice League title, uh, which was a really uh, great uh, introduction uh, mm-hmm. or uh, start to his run. Um, then definitely I recommend going back and checking out his Black Panther run and then, of course, checking out the Black Panther annual next year. Cool, cool. Uh, let's see. In other news, oh, oh, my, oh, there's a tab. Uh, Valiant Entertainment, who you might know as the um, proprietors of XO Man of War and, oh, crap, what was the other one? Bloodshot. Divinity. Why am I not thinking of the Bloodshot? Uh, all the uh, Faith? Is Bloodshot. It, Bloodshot. Why can't I think of Bloodshot? Isn't Faith really big right now? She's Valiant. Faith right? is a big character from Valiant. Yep, she came out of the Harbinger. That's another big one. So there you go. Valiant Entertainment, Bloodshot, Harbinger, Ninjack. Ninjack. Oh, my gosh. Okay, it's up. bad when I can name more Valiant Entertainment characters than and I've you can. And I've probably read more Valiant You have, guaranteed. So, so it's bad. And to be said, I have actually read the uh, Valiant Entertainment's, the new Valiant Entertainment's, oh boy, Valiant Entertainment's kind of like a quagmire of like multiple companies, but the current mm-hmm. Valiant Entertainment had launched a Shadow Man series back when they had uh, first sort of recreated themselves. Uh, it ran for about like 16 issues or so and then was canceled. Um, the character has been kind of in and out of the background, I think, in a couple miniseries. It was reimagined once, maybe. But Valiant Entertainment is teasing that they are bringing Shadow Man back in March of 2018. Uh, whether it's in a miniseries or an ongoing, it has not been said, just that he'll be back uh, that month. Mm-hmm. Um, I find the idea of Shadow Man interesting. Uh, I didn't, I didn't like love the the first series they did with him but like i i was enjoying it enough that like i i read i think most of the issues i don't remember where i fell off but i think as a concept he's really cool uh and i'll be curious to see who uh what creative team they bring on to uh try to make him relevant i mean like characters like the harbinger characters and exo man of war have like been um you know have had a lot of great staying power since valley entertainment entertainment came back but shadow is one of those characters that they just couldn't quite get off the ground in the beginning and maybe they finally hit upon something cool i know pretty much next to nothing um he's a man of shadows he's yeah he has had a lot of people who have worked on like names that i recognize so uh that definitely gets me interested to maybe go back and see what that is about also yeah, i think it was justin jordan actually had launched the original by original, I mean the original Shadow Man series of the new Valiant Entertainment. It would be mm-hmm. funny, if, or not funny, but interesting if we did like an expose on Valiant, all the different iterations of Valiant Entertainment over the last like 20 years. Oh, good Lord. 20 plus years. Uh, 30 years. Oh, my gosh. Also had his own video games. He did. He and there was a two. Humble Bumble a while back where you could actually get it. Humble Bumble. Humble Bumble. <sighs> I think it's on Steam. You can get it on Steam. Yeah. Uh, But uh, one thing I want to point out that's super weird because I'm looking at his Wikipedia is that it refers to Frank Miller as Sin City co-director Frank Miller. Nobody else, like, 
Garth Innes, Rob Liefeld, uh, Steve Ditko. No one else has any sort of prefix to their name of like, here's other work they've done. Just Sin City co-director Frank Miller. Where are you seeing this? On on the Shadow Man Wikipedia page. Interesting. It also, I would argue, I have so many qualms with that, but we're going to, to push forward at this time. Um, news coming out of Marvel Netflix dealio that Punisher Season 2 is coming. Uh, that's all we really have at this time. Uh, and in a similar vein, Jessica Jones Season 2 has been announced. The date has been announced, uh, which I totally forgot to pull up. It's March 8th. There we go. March 8th on <laughs> Recovered very quickly. Yep. Um, and people can see a short, about one-minute teaser for the upcoming season, now either on Netflix or on YouTube. Nick, I... Don't even know why I'm asking. Have you watched Punisher yet? I have not. Yeah. Which I I feel like you said that because you knew that I probably haven't watched it. You, um, normally, I'll this get is... to it. I'll get to it before or by Punisher season two. This is normally the point where I would shame you, but I just I have not yet seen Punisher either. Um, I've been doing my Brooklyn Nine Nine deep dive uh, binge, and that's like still going on because I'm. I'm almost caught up but once that's over i'm gonna finally jump into puncher and i was kind of put off because i had some like good friends who uh i guess the first few episodes are really slow mm-hmm. and that really kind of put them off because i i really hate the 13 episode requirement um and i guess it really shows itself in the beginning but some people who you know i generally trust and like were praising it a lot by the end of the first season so it's it's very high on my list to get to I have a friend here that bugs me constantly to know if I've watched it yet. Uh, Jessica Jones season two looks pretty cool though. I am very curious to see what a post defenders Netflix world's going to look like since they've kind of uh, said, Hey, we're not going to work to bring them all together anymore. <laughs> we're just going to let it be its own thing, which is probably for the better. Uh, so I, I'll be interested to see um, maybe Jessica Jones, the season two was done before or after that idea sparked. Um, but I'm into it to do. Uh, yeah. You've, you've watched the first season. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Jones. Yeah, I did. I've had this thing where like the veneer of like all the Marvel Netflix shows have kind of like rubbed off or whatever. So like, I'm not saying that they're bad, but I don't think they're as good. I think they're, they're overhyped. But I mean, obviously at the end of the day, if people enjoy them, then like all the power to them. Um, but I just like I don't I, I think well I found problematic with Jessica Jones and it's not you know Jessica Jones in of herself um, though there though by the time she got to Defenders there was a part of me that was just like I mean granted like I don't want to minimize like the, the crap that she went through that kind of like informs her character but it was just hard like watching someone that like can't get over themselves even if like what they can't get over is really understandable it was just it's hard to watch uh, but with Jessica Jessica Jones season one. It was like 13 episodes all centered around catching this one guy, which mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of shows will do like mega arcs where like you have like this one big bad or whatever. But it's just like there was like five times in the show where like they had them, had him within his grasp and then they lose it. So it just made yeah. everyone feel well, kind of. And, and it kind of it kind of meandered even they would catch him and then that would backfire. And then she would go to him and start working on well, like, let's make you a good guy. And then you can't possibly be a good guy. And then the last couple episodes he just goes completely off the rails and 
starts getting a lot more interesting when he really leans into the supervillain aspect. Uh, but of course, that is then cut short when she breaks his neck. Spoiler alert, guys. It came out like... spoiler is supposed to come before it, the spoiler. It, it, but it just, came just, out like you know, three years ago. Thing. It came out like three years ago. Has it really been three years? Uh, I, let's see when it came on. I mean, it's it, it's probably been at least two. Jessica Jones season one release date. There we go. It was released on November 20th, 2015. Wow. So it's been over two years since that first season. I'm still so curious to like hear how Netflix or more Disney pulling all of their stuff off of all streaming services to start their own is going to affect these deals because I feel like this is not something they're going to put on their streaming service that you know is primarily aimed at kids and people with nostalgia. Right, but I feel, and I mean, I this is all pure speculation when it comes to Disney streaming streaming app. Like, granted, like Disney is like a kids channel, kids company. Like they they know how to market and uh, profit off of children. Um, but it's not like there isn't Disney content. Like, there's different age groups of children that would watch that. That not everything is going to be suitable for them. So I could see their app having. You know, like in the same way Netflix has like a kids section, like there could be stuff for younger kids, for older kids. And maybe like Disney through some of their subsidiaries, like owns, um, owns like adult property. So adult being not necessarily like porn. That's right. But... Disney owns porn, guys. You heard it here first. <laughs> just, yeah, car, I wouldn't car, be surprised car. if we looked into like all of Disney's holdings and I don't found wanna... that they were the owners of like Pornhub. No, because you, realize, to... you just... realize when we do that, we're going to get into shell corporations and we're going to like unmask one of the biggest drug rings and then you and i are, are gonna have to go to like florida or like just somewhere off the coast because we're the only ones who can stop them because the police are obviously owned by disney as well and we're gonna get in like a big shootout and you're gonna get horribly injured probably to the point where i'm gonna be like no and i go out there and i shoot up the bad guys and save the day and then you like barely hang on and we flash forward a few years later and like you fully recovered and like we're like ah remember that time and we high five over the grave of our third best friend uh who was who there and, was and died until this moment. <laughs> and uh <laughs> then like the camera zooms into the background and how oh, hey that bad guy we thought we killed nah man he's watching us and then but- Nick and David will return in in what Bad Boys Three, Avengers Infinity. <laughs> I feel like you loosely just described all the Bad Boy movies. Avengers Infinity War Part Two. This <laughs> is all ties this, together. This it's is all also connected. a Marvel property. Yeah, and then we'll <laughs> spin off into our own TV Everything show, is the MCU. <laughs> Everything, man. Can we? Is it too early to like touch on that whole Disney Fox deal? Like, do we have to wait until it's official? Official? So. By the time this episode comes out, there will probably be an official announcement. One way or the other. Yeah, and I don't really know what to even say about it because they're not going to say. Everybody's going to freak out and be like, finally we get X-Men in the MCU. That's what you all sound like to me when I read your tweets. Uh, <laughs> when you say that kind of stuff. And, better. and we're not going to like have any official announcement for a while. So right, from from a fan perspective, just real quick, from a fan perspective, 
the best thing about this whole deal is yes, that Marvel, whether they get incorporated into the MCU or not, will well, regain wait, the where rights Marvel, to... Where Marvel gets incorporated into the MCU? No. You, that, said, you said Marvel. That the X-Men and the Fantastic Four will be incorporated into the MCU. Uh, or whether or not they get incorporated into the MCU, like that Marvel will get them back was what I was trying to mm-hmm. say. Beyond that, like when you think about it, like when a giant company like Disney buys a giant company well, like Fox, what do you think happens? Shit tons of people are going to lose their jobs. Like, Well, and it's going to – there's a lot and people, you know, are focusing on mutants and Fantastic Four. But really, I, I, and I don't know the full parameters of the deal. There was a lot of stuff there. They're not just getting – Right, that's not the only Fox. thing Disney's going after. Fox owns a lot of like pretty major properties, including like the Avatar films, like mm-hmm. the not like Avatars, the or Avatar, which already but... was kind of absorbed into Disney vis a vis Disney World. Is that is the Avatar thing? Part that's of it. That World? Pandora is in the Animal Kingdom. They put Pandora in the Animal Kingdom. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, so this is something we can definitely uh, touch more on, like when it's official and we have a bigger picture of like. If it is official or if it becomes official, like how it might impact things, but yeah, it's it's uh, pretty crazy that it's happening uh, if it happens. Um, but mm-hmm. we will get into that later. In um, our next news bit, uh, Sony has released the first trailer for their animated Spider-Man project called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This was originally announced as a film starring Miles Morales, and for all intents and purposes, it looks like it will star mm-hmm. Miles Morales. However, what wasn't known until the trailer debuted was that they're going to lean into the Spider-Verse storyline where Miles from his world is going and they show in the trailer, like watch it and like you'll find like this is a Miles very similar to the Ultimate Universe where he's the Spider-Man in a world where Peter Parker has died. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the end of the trailer, you also see him conversing with an adult Peter Parker. Um, so in one, one level or another, this is a little bit of the Spider-Man miniseries and the Spider-Verse event uh, where we're going to see multiple animated Spider-Men on the screen. But the trailer primarily focuses or entirely focuses on Miles. Uh, David, what did, what did you think? Uh, it looks cool. It's, you know, it's very stylish. They kind of gave it a little bit of cell shading. Um, I don't love the whole like freezing thing that happens in like split seconds thought that was a little unnecessary uh which could have been stylistically for the trailer to be yeah better. yeah and i mean obviously this is one minute for a film that's coming out in a year that could have all that could have been test footage for all we know yeah, and yeah, changes yeah. have been made um it yeah cool i'm excited i'm into it it's just really far away Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know what else I can really like say about it at this time. How do you feel about the idea? Like when it was first announced, it was supposed to be this is a Miles Morales animated film, and it's still Miles Morales in the film, but that they're going to leverage a bunch of different Spider Men to be part of the storyline instead of just focusing squarely on Miles' story. I mean, now we're getting into the Civil War argument all over again. Um, where is it really a Captain America film when all the rest of the Avengers are in there? I think that you still can craft a Miles centric story, uh, mm-hmm. it, even with all these other Spider Men in there. It's kind of hard because, you know, I like the character of Miles Morales, but I don't know any storylines involving Miles Morales. <laughs> so I can't, like, I can't say, oh, hey, they could just, like, do this story with him. And I'm sure there's other people that do that are, like, screaming at me right now uh 
you've never read a Miles Morales story, have you? I I have not. Which I <laughs> I mean, well, that's to, fine. To be I, fair, I mean, but literally they could have just done like a Miles Morales origin story. Peter Parker dies, he gets bit by a spider. To be, the douchebag. To be fair, there's yeah. a lot of characters I have never read stories of, about. Um, I think that having a Peter Parker in there is how you trick the old guard. The people who are like steadfast of like Peter Parker is Spider Man, like oh, there's a Peter Parker in this film, and you show like all of his footage in the trailer, and they go and they were like, there was only two minutes of Peter Parker in that movie. Literally, Peter Parker sitting on a subway platform. Yeah, like, and you're then saying there's other Spider people, and then Peter just never shows up in the film again. Yep, and then it's just the adventures of Miles Morales and Spider Ham. That would not be so bad. It would not be. That'd yeah, that'd be a great. A sidekick for Miles Morales. Yeah, we'll get more trailers. We'll see some more cool stuff. I think it'll be good. It's just way too early to say anything. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Dave, what's going on with our last news story? Well, our last news story of the podcast uh, is that Dick Tracy is returning to comics. Dick Tracy. Uh, Dick say. Tracy, yes. And this is an all new original ongoing series from Archie Comics. Archie. Guys, remember when Archie was, like, almost dead, and now they're everywhere and kind of cool? Anyway, Dick Tracy by writers Alex uh, Seguera, Seguera, I don't know how to pronounce that name, I apologize, uh, Michael Morici, along with artists Thomas Patilli and colorist D. Cuniff, I, again, apologize if I messed up your name, it is scheduled to launch April 11th with a year one style debut. And it looks like it'll have Dick Tracy shoot, uh, investigating a deadly shooting that reveals the handiwork of Flattop, who I imagine is a classic Dick Tracy character. Uh, I will be very curious to see how they are going to make this character relevant in 2018 when this comes out. Because it looks like they're, they're keeping with the 1920s noir kind of style for the character. And obviously we've seen mm-hmm. a lot of that kind of stuff coming out of the Hanna-Barbera, you know, we're going to take these characters, but we're going to also change them on a very fundamental level to make them relevant. And I think in some ways, like Flintstones and uh, Scooby Apocalypse, those have like panned out in other ways, Wacky Racers, whatever that was called, Mad Max Wacky Racers, uh, did not pan out as much. So... I'll be very curious to see how this Dick Tracy is going to work in a modern storytelling landscape. Yeah, be uh, curious to see. We'll have to touch on it when the first issue comes out. Do you have any history with Dick Tracy personally? I don't. I mean, like I've I've always known about him, and I can't remember if there was like a movie back in like the '90s or, 80s or late '80s or something. Yes. Um, I don't even know if I watched it. I just know that I was aware of it. Um, and maybe like I saw like a Dick Tracy strip in like a newspaper or something. But beyond that, like I was, he was never a character I was drawn to. Or maybe there was actually a Dick Tracy cartoon when we were kids. Uh, there I think there was. Might have been. So this was a movie came out in 1990. It was produced by Warren Beatty, directed by Warren Beatty, and starring, you guessed it, Warren Beatty as Dick Tracy. You uh, really also like had... Tracy. Al Pacino, uh, Madonna was also in this movie. Dick Van Dyke apparently appeared. Uh, Dustin Hoffman 
William Forsyth, man, some people that you definitely recognize, a few of them very obviously doing this at near the beginning of their careers or at a low point, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah, I don't remember uh, this. I've seen part of this movie because I had a girlfriend in high school that loved it, um, which now that I'm saying that out loud is super weird. Uh, yeah, Dick Tracy, coming to comic books near you. April 2018. Check it you out. You wonder who um who I wonder if they've come back at all. I feel like I've seen them around and now my uh, keyboard's not working. But uh, the Phantom. Do you remember the Phantom movie from when we were kids? The Phantom. Yeah, uh, Billy Zane. I mean, it was also based off an old. Yeah, was that Billy Zane? Mm-hmm. Well, all of these characters came from uh, like ra- the 30s like, pulp era. Yeah, and like radio. Um, Mandrake the magician. Yeah, the Phantom nice. 1996 movie starring uh, Billy Zane. Oh boy! Yeah, these characters, man. Loved it. Loved it. No, it's terrible. Are you kidding me? I I'm just saying, like, it's not. I know to some extent that I don't have great taste in movies, but as a kid, I didn't care about like all the stuff that us like critical thinkers care about now. Like, I loved all like the 90s like Batman movies and the Phantom and whatever other terrible stuff came out at the time. Um, I just won't go back and revisit it. It'll be something pure and innocent in my mind that I, mean, I can hold for all time. Like there have been so many examples of trying to bring these characters back that have been terrible. Like the shadow 1994 film starring Alec Baldwin, another classic, uh, the phantom we oh, talked about seen that one. the spirit, which is so very problematic. I fell asleep during that movie. Uh, I tried to defend it at the time that it came out and have since wised up. Uh, I think the only one that's really paid off in any form is The Rocketeer. Which is probably also equally terrible, and I'm just viewing it through nostalgia lens. I don't know if I ever actually... Very aware of The Rocketeer. I don't think I've ever actually seen The Rocketeer movie. Uh, He wears a jetpack and punches Nazis, I'm pretty sure? I know that's like the... Yeah, that's like all you really need in a movie: jetpacks and Nazi punching. And like, it could classic. It could be like a really bad film, but I'm watching it. I'm just like, yeah, punch those Nazis, Rocketeer, and just like I'm filling with like my heart's turning into the shape of a bald eagle. And that's just how life goes when you're punching Nazis. (laughs) Why don't we go ahead and jump into our reviews? To the Batmobile, let's go. As is tradition, and like the prophecy foretold so long ago. The prophecy that you mention in every prophecy. episode, so like people just expect it? Yes. Nick is going to start off our discussion on reviews. Mr. Miracle, number five. Nick, I want you to really try and sell me on this. Uh, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda. Uh, have one last day on Earth before Mr. Miracle is set to be executed by his brother Orion uh, for treason. And it's actually interesting, and uh, we haven't mentioned it yet on the show, but I'm assuming it's forthcoming, like, that we interviewed Meredith McLaren, the artist Meredith McLaren. Um, This will be, that'll be released next week. Right. And she she talked about that her favorite character was Big Barda, and, like, now I want to be like, Meredith, like, you need to read Mr. Miracle number five, because this is, like, like, 100% 100% like what she was looking for in like a big Barda or like a like a slice of life superhero story comic. This is despite the 
the fact that this is Mr. Miracles, like staring down the barrel of a gun, so to speak, at like his his last, like what is what would he do with his last day? Which spoiler, it turns out that he sits in Los Angeles traffic um, <laughs> for the most part. But it's it's a very touching story about this this long time couple, you know, like Mr. Miracle and Big Bar, like they've always been together. In the comic, they kind of mention it's, it's been around ten years. Um, but they're like, despite the fact that they both came from like such um, like terrible beginnings, like growing up in the fire pits and the the war rooms or whatever of apocalypse, that like they were able to find each other, overcome you know the insanities of their childhood, and find happiness living on Earth as like performers and and just a, a happy married couple. Uh, it's really inspiring. Uh, and through all of this, again, like through this whole lens that like Mr. Miracle is like set to die. Like you get just like very poignant moments. Like they have like, you know, they have sex for the last time, you know, they go and like try to do things around the city. Like he does his final performance. Uh, it was just, it was very, very, very touching. And I actually read issues three through five, like back to back. So I felt like I got like, like instead of like reading it month to month, um, like once I came into issue five and was like dealing with the reality of like, they like, there's, like, quote, unquote, there's no getting out of this. Uh, it was just a very, very poignant uh, yarn from uh, Tom King and Mitch Gerards. Uh, the art uh, has been on point since the beginning with Mitch Gerards. Like, he's dealing with such larger-than-life, like, cosmic Kirby characters, but mm-hmm. he's making them his own with, like, his sort of, like, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Not, m- m- not mundane in a bad way, but definitely m- more down-to-earth art style. Um, but he definitely doesn't do the characters a disservice. Um Tom King definitely does a lot with like repetitive panels, like a character like will slightly change their expression over and over again until like a punchline, whether it be a humorous punchline or like a sad punchline. Is there such a thing as a sad punchline? I don't know. Um, You know, I don't want to say too much just because this has been like just a really great book so far. Um, But I I had read the first two issues and like I was enjoying it, but I was like, I don't know if I'm going to, if I, I might just wait until it's all collected, it's going to be like a 12 issue maxi series. But I was like, I wasn't hundred percent sure what I wanted to read today. Saw the latest issue came out was like, all right, might as well catch up. And now I'm like, all right, I think I need to read this every time an issue comes out now. Like it's, it really is as good as people are saying it is, uh, assuming that you enjoy what you're reading. Um, but yeah, so Mr. Miracle, very poignant tale, um, really like nice slice of life, so to speak, uh, story of this like married superhero couple, uh, if you definitely get a chance, I recommend checking it out. Very cool. I, yeah, I did. I sell you on it. I realized, like, I totally forgot no, that I was supposed to sell you on it by the beginning. It's fine. I've wanted to actually see it for a long time, so or I read it for a while. So it, I was just being a little facetious there. But I am like, I'm struggling with the idea of like, I want to wait until it's all collected. You know, just get it all nice in one volume, or do I start picking it up now? And it, just hearing everybody talk about how good it is, like it's it's a real struggle to be like, no, I just gotta wait seven more months for it to be done, and then like two or three more months after that for it to be collected. Yeah, I mean, you have to wait a while. It'll, it'll be you know be finished probably you know, like a year sooner from than now. we know it. Yeah, probably within six months to a year. I mean, it's on issue five, so we've got like you know six seven months if it comes out monthly for the uh, for it to wrap up. But yeah, it's 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 good. It's uh, Tom King bringing you know the gods down to earth, so to speak, and like seeing how they do playing in the mud. Uh, it's yeah, it's good. But 
Uh, David, why don't you tell us about the return of Rumble in not volume two, just Rumble number one. Yes, for people who were The weren't, second Rumble number one. Who weren't part of the pre-show discussion, which is none of you, except for Nick. Uh, Nick had originally listed this as Rumble volume two, number one, and it is, it is not volume two. Uh, I can say that with confidence based upon the conversation with John Arcudi that was had upon this podcast People should go back and listen to that episode again. Uh, if you have not and and you're planning on reading Rumble number one, um, it's some really cool insight, and it gave me uh, it really pumped me up for reading this issue. Uh, anyway, this is a return after over a year of the comic not being on shelves, which was devastating to me uh, and to many others. I'm I'm very sure. But we see the writer John Arcudi returning with a new artist, David Rubin, uh, colors by Dave Stewart. And it's diving back into this world. And in in this issue, we get kind of a quick uh, summary of what happened before. Uh, But the story is told to us by the character of Coogan, who is this, uh, or Kogan, who is this trickster god. Uh, So, you know, you you can't really trust everything that he's saying. Uh, And from what I remember, there's elements of it too. in the way that he tells it, I'm like, that's not quite exactly right. Uh, So that's, that's kind of fun. (laughs) It's, it's interesting to see that like, Hey, we're going to have the recap done by somebody who's going to lie to you uh, in a certain way. Uh, So I'm curious to see that what the payoff of that sort of thing is going to be. Um, This issue, though, before we even get to that, there's the story of Rathrak uh, fighting a bunch of the Isu in this valley very, very long ago, and how cultures, uh, just kind of quickly telling the story of how he was a hero of man and helped protect humanity from these monsters and then went away for some reason. Uh, We have the recap and then just a, a little bit of time not much catching up with the characters where they're at. Uh, Billy and, and Tima are now dating. Billy is curious about what happened to Rathrak, but seems kind of happy that stuff has calmed down. Uh, Dell is putting on this face of how much he's looking for Rathrak. Uh, he's obviously very distraught, um, even though Rathrak wasn't the biggest fan of Dell, but obviously Dell w- was mystified by this great warrior and wanted to be just like him. Uh, and there's also this introduction of these humans who saw monsters during the big fight at the end of the last part of the story and are now taking it upon themselves to go out and hunt them, uh, which I'm sure will be quite a foil in this new volume. Um, this new volume being the volume of the story, not this being volume two, Nick. Uh, and then at the end of this, we find out sort of what happened to Rathrak and see that, um, that stuff has kind of taken a turn. So to say, I'm not going to give away more than that, but this last issue, this last page, I looked at it and, um, Oh boy, things are going to get interesting. Uh, is he still a scarecrow? Oh, that's real hard to determine. I 
I don't. I, I, I guess I just have to catch up on the book now. Yeah, I don't want to give away too much here, because when you see him, it's really a sight to behold. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Coming back, we have obviously David Rubin taking over for James Heron. So the art is different, uh, but it definitely has echoes of familiar forms. Um, there, uh, there is a way in in the way he drew the Scarecrow, Rathrak that is much more creature like uh, than I would say James Heron kind of approached him. Um, obviously, the monsters. <laughs> are very monstrous. The humans, this is where I say the echoes come in. You know, you can still recognize everybody on site. They still look as they do, but they are adapted into David Rubin's style. Uh, so it's not too much of a shock to the system. It's not too different. Um, I would say that after one issue of it, you're going to get used to it very quickly. Uh, but there are some really cool dynamic panels um, that I'm, very excited to see some more of the action uh, coming out of this book with David's hand on it. All in all, mm. this is a solid re-entry into, uh, into Rumble. It is a good point for, for new readers. Um, I think it, it was smart of them after a year off to do this, to try and attract some, some new people on here. But, of course, I think people should go back and they should read those first, uh, I think it's three volumes. Um, I believe it's yeah, three or four volumes of the, the first run of Rumble. Get yourself real entrenched in the mythology, in these characters and their connections, and then dive into this. I think it's going to be a, a richer experience overall. And this was one of those issues that made me upset that I have to wait another month to find out what's going to happen. Um, yeah, so that's that's Rumble number one on shelves now. Very cool. Glad to have it finally back. Uh, um, me too. I mean, I'm, I have yes. I have the Thunder Chop tattoo on my arm. That's true. I dedicated hard to this book. You did. You did. I I can only imagine the grief that you were experiencing in its long interim. Well, because I got I got this tattoo last year. No, was it last year? Was it? No, it was last year after the book had been off shelves for a little bit, and we didn't know how long the break was going to be. And it was just it was a a cold twenty seventeen in my heart. I mean, for a lot of reasons. This <laughs> was a bad year for you, wasn't it? Just. I mean, really, uh, I'm really glad that you pulled through. I hear there was like some political turmoil people were experiencing, but I mean. Nobody was experiencing my yeah. level of pain with having Probably a this... couple oil spills, flock of seagulls, you know, just like the eighties. Okay. Uh, I've only ever heard that from Austin Powers. Is that only a reference in Austin Powers or is flock that like of seagulls? something that Austin Powers? Well, Fla there's a flock of seagulls, but he's mentions, you know, uh, or was it like he, because he goes from the, what was it? The sixties to the eighties or something like that. Uh, and he, he, he's yeah. like, what did I miss? He was no, like, he goes from the, he goes from the, like eighties or the sixties to like the late nineties slash early two thousands. Oh, right, right, right. You're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. And they asked like the eighties, I missed the eighties. I mean, it's like, it was just like an oil spill on a flock of seagulls, but I don't <laughs> know if that was ever in reference to something else. Uh, a flock of, flock of seagulls is a band. 
Oh, there's actually an '80s band that plays around uh, Worcester, where I live, um, called The Flock of Assholes. So I yeah. knew like there's some kind of reference between I the mean, '80s and flocking. The song "I Ran So Far Away," and I ran, I ran so far. You know that song? Oh yeah, no, it's, a, it's a it's a good song. It's a good uh, good '80s song. You don't know. You I've don't heard it. No, you just reminded me. It's just been it's been probably since the '80s since I've heard it. You know. Oh man, I, like, Austin Powers. Old. That's a reference. Right, right. It's just like one of those random things that pops in mind every once in a while. Like, because I probably haven't seen Austin Powers since they first came out. Oh, I have and, a, I have a deep love for that move for those movies, even at their lower points. Because <laughs> let's uh, be honest, uh, Goldmember is not a shining example of filmmaking. Yeah, but it still makes yeah. me laugh. As long as you're happy, David. After the rough year you've had, you know, you, you deserve to enjoy Austin Powers in your own way. All right. Look, Google's been freaking me out in more and more ways uh, because I Googled Flock of Seagulls just to, like, just to refresh my memory real quick. And then I started Googling Austin Powers. And as I was typing in Austin Powers, it was auto-completing Austin Powers Flock of Seagulls. Hmm. Like, it knew that that reference was coming. <laughs> So other people, that's what I always love with Google. Just like when you, when you, when you think like, man, no one else could have ever Googled this. And then as you're typing it, it comes up as an example. You're like, damn, another reminder that none of us are original on this giant butt ball. Oh yeah. So it was, uh, it was not when, um, it's not someone explaining to him what happened. It's when he does his, his catch up on what happened. And he comments that nothing happened in the 70s and 80s except for a gas shortage and a flock of seagulls. Gas shortage. He's referring to the oil crisis uh, where uh, the OPEC, OPEC, refused to ship oil to any country, including the U.S., and uh, the banned flock of seagulls. This is what the podcast has devolved into, is us (laughs) deep diving into a random Austin Powers quote you've remembered. Heck yeah. But guys, Rumble's real good. All right, I we kind of just yeah. glossed over that. Rumble, Mister Miracle, comic books. This is about this is about comics, guys. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And if it hasn't become obvious yet, Nick and I did not read a same book this week. This actually felt like a kind of a light week. Like the stuff came was, out, but yeah, not a I, lot. I, I looked like there's there were some books came out that I would have been interested in reading, but like I'm not caught up on yet, so I wasn't gonna just like. So here's okay, I mean, like Mr. Miracle, I guess, but I did. That was only three issues. Continue. So yeah, we we have some time here at the end of the show. Um, obviously, there's still a couple weeks, a week and a half ish until Christmas. What is some? If you've got a nerd in your life, or you got you pulled a nerd in a secret Santa, why don't we throw out some ideas of some stuff that people could buy? from you know comics from this last year collected editions stuff like, like what that. they they could buy for me is that yeah what would you want so, now one thing what, I, what would our listening audience buy for me for christmas oh my gosh you guys are so generous yeah. thank you so much i'm just gonna pull up my amazon wish list and we'll just go to town you are the worst <laughs> um Stuff that people could buy for Christmas. This is uh, you put me on the spot with this question, David. So, what do you think people should buy? Well, I will say one thing people can buy. First of all, Comicsology gift cards. You can purchase those online, and it digitally will go to someone's account. So that's true. You can that's, do that, that's or you an, even get an Amazon gift card and use that towards Comicsology. 
Yes. I guess either way, because you could get a physical Amazon think, gift card and, say, think, and then just scribble on Amazon and put in comicsology. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the Batman run by Tom King is has been collected this last year. Volume two, I Am Suicide, uh, is a, a pretty good volume. It's got some interesting twists and turns you can dive on into. Uh, I'm looking at some lists here. I'm like, man, I do not read enough indie graphic novels. Um, You're saying that we, as a podcast where we 99% of the time talk about Batman, don't read enough independent stuff. Oh, here's one thing for sure. Uh, AD After Death, I think is a, this one's a little different. This is uh, for someone I would say who is into comics already, not maybe uh, looking for an entry in a superhero dumb uh, this is sort of a mix of like a, a periodical and comics and prose. It's it's really interesting. Um, AD After Death by Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire would definitely be a good thing for a comics fan on your list. And I and it's probably something too that they may maybe not have heard of, um, but they really could enjoy. Uh, Nick, have you thought of anything else? Um, off the top of my head, just because I was thinking about how it's wrapping up within the next couple of months, uh, Invincible, if we want to go independent. Mm. Now, granted, it's superheroes, yes, but Invincible has been a great long-form series by Robert Kirkman, yes. uh, Ryan Otley, and Corey Walker. Um, and I just, in part of my head, like, I'm just thinking, like, it's wrapping up, so that means you're going to have, like, this nice, large, like, self-contained story that you can read across, like, 144 issues. Uh, and like image has some like great compendium volumes up if you want to get them in like really big chunks otherwise like of course you can get the individual copies and i'm sure if you go through amazon or maybe your local uh, comic book retailers having a deal i'm sure you can get some of them pretty cheap um but i always recommend invincible so uh and i think it would make a great giant uh omnibus underneath your tree yep another book or menorah whatever like you stack gifts under yep Another great thing you can gift, uh, Love is Love, which is the IDW and DC book that they put out together um, in support for the uh, the victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando. Uh, dozens yep. of writers and artists came together and, and put in stories and art for the book. Uh, and it's yeah it's it's real good i haven't read all of it I only read a couple of stories out of it but i hear there's some real tough ones uh in there so be prepared for some tears guys so if you want to cry and support a great cause at the same time check that one out yeah uh man things that i really want uh i want to check out shade the changeling girl that has been i've seen that on a few lists and that's stuff that i want to check out uh what's there's there's one uh where where was it oh i just had it oh my favorite thing is monsters i'm not sure what this is favorite thing is monsters it's a comic yeah i haven't heard of it this is something that i just have come across on a few of these lists of looking at just what came out in this year and it looks really really interesting yeah, I. Huh? Were you gonna say? No, I, were you gonna say? I was gonna say next this next year, I'm really okay. Here's my New Year's resolution, folks, oh, uh, <laughs> is to read more independent graphic novels, stuff that maybe I, I wouldn't normally pick up on like a Wednesday. That is really good. 
Or maybe so that's but not don't as forget, good, but it's don't forget, Snagglepuss comes oh, out yeah, Snagglepuss from DC does come out. next year. Like that's, you know, I'm sure that's going to be great. Yeah, and one my one last thing from me, Saga. Everyone, oh, loves always it. Saga, always Saga. <laughs> uh, yeah, those those big volumes one and two coming out. I want them. All right, well. That's just some ideas, some gift-given ideas for the upcoming holiday season. You know, Hanukkah's still going on right now, guys. If you need Hanukkah gifts, these are also great for that. Comic books are great for Hanukkah. They really are, actually. Um, And, of course, great for Christmas as well. But why don't we go ahead and jump into our recommendations. You boys aren't nerds, are you? Nick... I will give you some time to scramble and find a recommendation. We've been skipping recommendations for the past few weeks. You should have all these recommendations backed up. And I will say something that you should be watching this holiday season is A Muppet Christmas Carol. I watched that tonight. It is so delightful. It is so much fun. Uh, It was a, a... film of the early 90s starring the Muppets putting on uh, the Christmas Carol with Michael Caine as Ebenezer Scrooge. It is so great because uh, they, they do with the Muppets what works best, where they treat the Muppets as actual movie stars, actual people who are then taking on roles in this movie. You know, the movie starts with uh, the film is starring Kermit the Frog as Bob Cratchit, Miss Piggy as Mrs. Cratchit. Uh, and then you have Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat narrating, which adds some nice humor. And throughout it all, you have Michael Caine, who brings so much to this film because he's not treating it like a goofy Muppet film. He's treating this like he's actually doing the Christmas Carol and he really sells it. You know, he's really selling Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, it's it's fun. It's a little goofy at times. It's got some, you know, decently good songs. It'll really put you in that Christmas time kind of mood. So you should definitely watch a Muppet Christmas Carol. Let's see if it's streaming anywhere because I'm I'm still I'm giving Nick all this time to just really really find something to to recommend to all of you fine folks uh it's on hbo go so if you've got a subscription for that go watch it there or if you're like me you own it on dvd wow yeah it's christmas christmas uh muppet christmas carol is uh it's it's a good movie it's a good movie and uh, i would say then as as my recommendation i'm going to recommend uh, Muppet Treasure Island because what? like if we're just going to go on the Muppet train like Muppet Treasure Island is a baller movie that I have not seen in probably a decade Th- or what? more but it has stuck with me for so long it's just like a fine piece of cinema and other stuff involving Muppet puppets um, also it probably terrified me I think most things that I liked as a child terrify me so like that's my recommendation is love the things that terrified you as a child Almost wow, like they were like is... actually legitimately terrifying and not just the fact that like everything scared me as a child. What else do you think scared you as a child? Or what do you think? Yeah. I mean, obviously the, the dark crystal. 
frightening. Dark Crystal was never really a big fan of it, honestly, and part of it was probably because it scared me. Uh, Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland terrified me, at least towards the end. Uh, and just like the dark, evil nightmare goo that came, oh man, I can't. It's pretty like Ooh, young no. Nick is. Let's dig into this. Right now. Let's dig into we, this right now. We should not. I recommend therapy for everyone that was traumatized as a child through popular <laughs> media. You know what so. movie really freaked me out as a kid? What? Fern Gully. Man, Fern. Fern Gully. My brother used to call me Fern Gully. I'm trying to figure oh, out. Oh yeah, why. I'm so gonna call you that from now on. Oh, Fern. Crap. Fern Gully is frightening. And also, like, made me believe that there was no more rainforest left. And I'm like, I mean, there's not, there's not there's, much. There's and not much I'm like, I'm a little bit of like, I do what I can in my daily life to reduce, reuse, recycle in that order. And I, I have to say, Fern Gully is primarily responsible for that mindset in my life. Where, watching the giant bulldozers tear through the uh, the rainforest and like the, did it for you? Yeah, and like the strange monsters that we awaken by doing so. I mean, I have not seen it probably. It came out in uh, 92, so it's 25 years old. I have not seen it in 30 years, just to give you a sense on how long it's been since I've seen this movie. And it Wait, still you haunts me. you haven't seen it in 30 years? You finally heard the joke. Yeah, it's... Uh... Still haunts me. Wow. Well, David, uh, yeah, so I think we can all recommend therapy at this point. Uh, it's very or helpful. There really shouldn't be any stigma around it. The Muppet Christmas um, Carol to just set you right on your life. And also the yes. Carly Rae Jepsen as your, song. As your therapist. Just and the lay Carly... down on the couch yeah. and, and put Muppet Christmas Carol on the, uh, on the chair across all your problems. The, yeah, just the DVD. Don't have it playing because like, then you'll... You'd be missing this wonderful film. You just have to set like the right. DVD up. Uh, just the DVD though. Don't like the, the don't VHS. Get, don't get if the, that's all you have, yeah. like that's cool. Like it, it'll probably help, but don't don't sit in front of the Blu-ray. No, yeah, like it's, it's going to steer you wrong. If you have the laser disc, like don't even just throw that in a fire. Betamax. Betamax. You're fine with the Betamax. You can tell all your problems with the Betamax. And, and after all that is done, you can listen to Carly Rae Jepsen's song "Cut to the Feeling," and that'll set you right as rain. Well, yeah, you know what? You know what? I I hate you because I was like earlier today, I was like David, like I'm not feeling so hot, and you were like, listen to the new Carly Rae Jepsen song. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take this as a joke, but I'm gonna listen to it anyway, and then didn't stop listening to it. <laughs> you are welcome. Oh, <laughs> and you. If I could, if I could play it on this podcast right now, I would, but we can't. So let's wrap it up so people can go listen to this song. Oh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Of course, we want you to give us feedback on all of our insane ramblings from this episode at heckyeahcomics at gmail dot com, or head on over to heckyeahcomics dot com to find out more about the show. Leave some comments there. You can. Follow me on Twitter under the username DavLuz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. You can uh, follow the show on Twitter at Comics, And you can find Nick talking to a Betamax copy of The Muppet Christmas Carol while clutching a pillow and probably crying. And, of course, you can find us here next week. Same Heck Yeah time, same Heck Yeah channel. Until then, goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.
Worst episode ever.